So Jess, why did you become a realtor? I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes, it's very exciting, so a lot of fun. Now, you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first-time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. Last thing I'm going to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTBB Realty is people over paychecks and do the damn thing. And that's what we do. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Which this ain't some clown. Jones on first down, wide open. It's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is of his availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is, since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three. He's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the race, and the race do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I'm Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And before we get into the conference championship games, we had we had uh, big news yesterday as Sean Payton is stepping down as Saints head coach after sixteen after sixteen seasons with the team. Uh, he led them to the he was their coach when they won the Super Bowl Super Bowl forty Super Bowl uh, forty four in in two thousand nine. Uh, obviously, him and Drew Brees were one of the best coach quarterbacks co- combos in the history of the league. A consistent really a consistent winner for you know sixteen years. Payton did a great job. I just feel like. Right now, I just feel like he was burnt out. I think he was burnt out. He was tired of it. And he probably had to face another year of not having – If the, it, unless the Saints traded for Russell Wilson, he probably was going to have to face a year of of, of, uh, of subpar quarterback play. And I just don't think he wanted to do that anymore. I just think he wanted to take a year off. I feel like he's going to go – I don't think he's going to coach this year. I feel like he's going to go into TV. I, I think he goes – I think he goes into – I think he works for, for one of the television networks. And then he coaches again in 2023. I feel like he'll be back coaching, but it won't be this year. 
Yeah, you can totally see it. I bet, yeah, just kind of burn out. Um, you know, and probably the Saints, what, they're $75 million over the cap right now. It, it, you know, who knows? The Saints may have to go into a rebuild very soon. And I wonder, yeah, he probably doesn't want to be part of that. He's built that Saints, you know, organization. What, they had one playoff win before he got there in 06. He got them their first Super Bowl. So he's been he's been a lot to that city and that franchise. So yeah, I bet he just burned out. It was a tough year. You know, they went nine and eight. Again, they went nine and eight. James Winston was out. You know, they lost him on Halloween. They still finished over that 500. They won some games with Trevor Simeon. Um, yeah, it's kind of been a you know, it was a tough year last year. They've lost some heartbreakers over the years. And um, you wonder too, like, you know, they had the hurricane this year that they had to deal with, and they kind of had all that travel. And then with the COVID stuff the last few years, I just think that all kind of just tied into him being burnt out. And, yeah, I think he does come back to coaching at some point, and, you know, but definitely not this year, probably next year. Oh, I, I agree. I, I, I agree there. And he said it wasn't because of lack of success. He said it was time. And I, I believe him. I think he's just, just, he's just burned out. He's just, he's just, uh, I think he was just tired of it. I think he, I think he wants a change. I think, and I think he accomplished a ton in New Orleans. I mean, they won a bunch of division titles. They won that Super Bowl. I think he, I think he wants a new challenge. Yeah, absolutely. I could totally see that because, you know, with the Saints, I think probably going to have to go into a, more of a rebuild here coming up with just with the cap situation there. Yeah, he probably does want to go find another situation next year. Um, you know, probably wants to LTV something along those lines for a year. And then, yeah, I, I do think he'll come back. You know, again, he's a guy that could help your organization get over the hump for a team that, you know, you know, that's kind of close, but just needs that kind of extra push, you know, with, with like a coach like Sean Payton, he'll be able to do that for another organization. Now, with Peyton's retirement, this could this could affect two decisions. We'll start with the first one. We we feel like it. Could, I I feel like it could affect. And it could affect the Cowboys. Now, I don't think it'll happen this year, but I feel like Mike McCarthy is going to be uh, his his seat is going to be hotter than any seat in the NFL because I feel like Jerry Jones is going to really want Sean Payton to coach the Cowboys. And I I mean, obviously, if Sean Payton doesn't want to coach this year, I feel I I think he won't, and, and Jerry will stick with McCarthy. But I mean, McCarthy's expectations are probably going to be a Super Bowl. If the Cowboys don't get to the Super Bowl or, or if the Cowboys don't get to the conference championship game, they're going to fire Mike McCarthy because Jerry Jones feels like Sean Payton will get more out of the team than Mike McCarthy will. Now, will Sean Payton want to coach with Jerry Jones? We'll see. But I think I think that I think I think this this could definitely affect McCarthy's future with the Cowboys just because of how much uh, I, how much I feel that Jerry Jones wants Sean Payton to be the coach of the Cowboys. Yeah, absolutely. Because they already, you know, Jerry Jones, Sean Payton already have that relationship of Sean Payton being assistant coach there for a few years, you know, and it'll be interesting, too, because I do think that's a very that could be a, a very good possibility there. Because, yeah, I think McCarthy, it's Super Bowl bust next year. I think that's what the fans expect. Again, that who knows that, you know, the NFC East division, but, you know, they should be the favorites once again. They will be the favorites once again. Um, and, and yeah, they should be one of the top seeds again. So yeah, I think for McCarthy two will bust, and if he doesn't get get there, and especially if they have a first round exit again, I absolutely think you know because McCarthy's seat probably on you know he's not gonna get fired this year. He's not gonna get fired now, but his seat's already hot. Like the you know so yeah, by the time next year if they don't get a Super Bowl, um, they'll they'll definitely I think make a move, and it'll be interesting to your point of you know. Would Jerry Jones or would Sean Payne want to work with Jerry Jones? Because Sean Payne was pretty much a GM in New Orleans. You know, like I don't know if he would want Jerry to he's probably he would probably want to go in there and be the GM like he was in New Orleans. 
would Jerry Jones give up that power for a guy like Sean Payton? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. And I think if it if he if Jerry does hire him to be that coach, he's got to give up that power to Sean Payton because that's the only way it would work. If he lets Sean Payton, if he gives up that power to Sean Payton, I think the Cowboys are in, are in good shape. But if he doesn't, I think it'll be just like it's 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 been for the Cowboys, D- dis- dysfunction, like it is right now with McCarthy and, and Jerry, dysfunction. So I think that uh, he's got to give up. He's got to give up. Uh, that he's got to give that power to Sean Payton if he hires him. Yeah, absolutely. He does. If not, I don't think Sean Payton's going to go there. And, you know, who knows who the Cowboys would hire hypothetically, you know, next year if they do move on from Mike McCarthy. It's probably, yeah, it'd probably be the same situation the Cowboys have faced for the last pretty much 30 years, just, you know, 25, 30 years that they've had just so many issues getting over the hump. And it's, yeah, it'll be the same thing um, once again. So, yeah, I completely agree. Jerry Jones, if you want Sean Payton, He's got to give up his powers um, as a GM. I you know wh- who knows if he does that or not, but yeah, he, he's got to be able to do that to get Sean Payton. Yes, and another another uh, player this could affect is Tom Brady because as, as you heard Tom Brady after the game, he's unsure if he's going to play or not. He's probably going to leave it up to his wife or his family. But if you look at this NFC, if you look at this NFC South, the Panthers, they're, they're rebuilding. The uh oh here's here's Hector Velasquez. Jerry Jones to change his ways. I feel like it'll be harder to do no matter what the coach is. And I agree with you there, Hector. I definitely yeah. agree with you there. I agree with you that it's gonna be very, very hard for Jerry to uh change his ways. But going back to Tom Brady, um uh, I I I I think if he looks at this division, the Panthers, they're rebuilding, the Falcons, they're rebuilding, and if the Saints give up Sean Payton, they're rebuilding. And and four of Brady, I mean, and when Brady was with the Bucks, he was one and four against the Saints, oh and four in the regular season. If if uh if, if Sean Payton leaves, knowing how tough the NFC West is, Rodgers might be out of the conference. There's a very good chance again. I don't, I don't care really. Bucks might lose some guys, but they, they could lose Godwin. But there's a very good chance that if he stays, the Bucks could be the number one seed in the NFC. So if, if I'm Tom Brady, I probably give this one more shot. And I think this, and I think this is a reason. I think Payton not being in the division is a reason why I would give this one more shot because you've got a very good chance to get home field advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Trump Payton now leaving. Yeah, like that NFC, the NFC now is it, especially yeah, the South, man. It, it like if Brady does retire, the winner of that's gonna be like eight and nine. Um, that division. But yeah, I think you know, Brady because how long because Brady's been saying he wants to play to 45 for what, like the last five, ten years. Like he's 44. He just threw for almost or over four five thousand yards. He's still in the MVP conversation, he's still playing a very high level. I understand, you know, his wife, kids probably want him home more and, and all that. And you know, just the, the grind, to, you know, through the year and doing the offseason, you know, workouts and all that. But, yeah, he's still playing at a very high level. And, yeah, with John Payton being gone now, the NFC West is still gone with, yes. Rodgers may be gone or probably is going to be gone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much like the Tampa got a great shot once again to get back to Super Bowl. And I imagine, too, Brady wants to finish on top. So, yeah, I think he does come back for one more. I think next year is it. Yeah, Tampa Bay is probably going to lose some guys, but I still think, yeah, they should be a solid team. Especially if they get some pieces in the secondary. I think they'll be just fine. And, yeah, I think Brady comes back for one more. I can't see him finishing the way he did. I just – knowing Brady, you can't – I just the way they lost Sunday, I can't see him going out on that. I can't. I can't either. I can't either. I, can't. I wouldn't be completely surprised because of his age, but I feel like he's gonna he's gonna come back. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised, but I feel like he's gonna come back. But we got to get to the conference championship games, and we'll start with the AFC championship game. 
And we got the Bengals traveling to Kansas City to face the Chiefs. This is a rematch of a game in Week 17, probably outside of the game last Sunday, that Chiefs-Bills game. I think this was this was the, one of the best games of the year. This was probably the second best game in the NFL season. Uh, the Chiefs beat them. The Bengals beat them 34 to 31. Uh, and then and that really start that really started that rise for the Bengals. That, that this this game was kind of the game that. This is this was the game that got the Bengals, I think, to believe that they were Super Bowl contenders. The, the, the game where they beat the Chiefs in, in in Week 17. But for this game, I feel like the home field advantage. The Chiefs. Uh, I think Burrow's going to be a little bit. He made that comment about, oh, the, there's no stadiums louder than 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 stadiums in the SEC. This is this is this is, Arrowhead is loud, and he's going to realize it on Sunday. And I feel like he's going to play pretty well. But I think he's going to make some. I think he's going to make that key mistake that turns the game around. I think it'll be close for for you know two and a half quarters. But I think Burrow's going to make that key mistake that turns the game around. And I and I do think Kansas City is going to move. Going to not going to have trouble moving the ball against uh, Cincinnati. I feel like they're going to be able to run the ball. I think Mahomes is going to throw a couple touchdown passes. I got the Chiefs going to their third Super Bowl, beating the Bengals, thirty-four to twenty-four. But Justin, can Joe Burrow keep up with Patrick Mahomes? and get the Bengals to the Super Bowl? I think it's possible, but I get the Chiefs winning at home 31-27. to 27. Um, they don't, The Chiefs don't have Tyron Matthew um, back at safety. Though he's still kind of per, um, concussion protocol right now. You know, the, the Kansas City did a good job shutting down Diggs, but I think, you know, you, with the uh, Bengals, you know, um, Jamar Chase had a huge, huge game week 17. But, like, even they double him like they did with Diggs last week – they still have, um, you know, um, Higgins, Boyd, and um, Tyler, uh, or I mean, CJ um, Umazah, the tight end. Yeah. Joe Mixon's had a pretty good year. I, you know, like he's got enough to spread around. Um, I think we're looking Texas comment. I think we're looking at a new dynasty in the AFC. Yeah, absolutely. Them and them and the Bills. I think you know that's not going to be the last rematch. It, you know, those two like, should be the top. You know, Cincinnati be right there and. Baltimore, you expect like there's you know AFC's got a lot of young good quarterbacks that are going to be there, but yeah, absolutely. Kansas City is the uh, overwhelming kind of favorite in this kind of new dynasty right now. Um, you know, I, I think Burrow, yeah, is going to have some success because I think if he can get any protection, and that's the thing, like if Joe Burrow has any time, he's going to pick Kansas City apart. That's the problem is, does he have enough time? He got sacked four times. I think Chris Jones had two of them. I expect Chris Jones to have another couple sacks in this one. But if he cannot have any time in this game, then I, I expect Kansas City won by at least two scores. I think he has time. I don't think it'll be – it's not going to come as easy as it did last time in Cincinnati. Um, I expect him to play well. I could see him making that one big mistake that costs him. But, you know, especially if he's under pressure, um, it makes a bad throw. But I I think Cincinnati stays in this game because I, I think, you know, Kansas City struggles to slow down their offense. Um, but, yeah, I just don't know if their Bengals are going to be able to make enough sauce for him. But yeah, I think you know Joe Burrow. I, I think comes in here, he plays well, and I don't think he's scared at the moment. And you brought up the pressure, of Kansas City. I think that's going to be a big key. If Kansas City can get pressure, they're they're going to win the game by two scores. They're, Bengals are not fight, facing Ryan Tannehill this week. He's not going to give you the game. You got to score more than nineteen points to beat the Chiefs. You might even you might have to score more than twenty six points to win this game. So they're, they're probably going to get into the thirties. And with that offensive line against a defense that's I know they didn't play well last week, but they played they went against Josh Allen. But against a defense that's been playing well in the second half of the season. They got to be able to some to somehow protect protect Joe Burrow much better than they did in, in in the in the divisional round, and I don't think it'll be as bad as it was last week. But I think they'll be he'll be under pressure, and I think that pressure is going to cause 
Joe Burrow to make that mistake. And, and I think that's I think that's the thing. I think the Chiefs defense is going to force a turnover. And I, and I don't think the Bengals defense is because Mahomes has just been flat out out. He was just flat out. He's just been flat out outstanding this postseason. So uh, I think the difference in I think that the difference in the game is is I think obviously Mahomes will make less mistakes than than Burrow, and that will result in the defense. Yeah, and I think a reason for that is I think Kansas City's defense will force that turnover mistake from Joe Burrow. So I mean, and here's here's yeah, another uh, here's another comment. I want to put this out there. You may disagree, however. I feel Josh Allen is better than Joe Burrow right now. I don't see Joe Burrow winning a shootout against Patrick. Mahomes. I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Joe Burrow is good. I I don't think he's as good as Josh Allen. I I completely agree with that. I I I couldn't agree with Hector more there. Josh Allen. The way he, I, I I've been watching football for over twenty years since I think ninety eight or ninety seven. I watched football since like ninety seven. I've never seen a performance where a quarterback did everything he could do, everything he could do, and not and not and and and, and not win the football game. Like we make excuses for Justin Herbert, but there's times where you know Herbert will lose a game, but he'll have a he'll have a bad game and throw a couple picks. Josh Allen did everything he could do to win that game. And he didn't because he was going up. He was going up against the best quarterback in the league. That and that's why that was one of the best NFL games. May, might be the best NFL game we've ever seen. That's that, that that that's that's why that game was so great. So so uh, yeah, I think Hector's comment. Joe Burrow is not as good as Josh Allen. He's gonna make that mistake. Patrick Mahomes isn't, and that's why I got the Chiefs winning by a couple scores. Yeah, I, I could do it. Yeah, I. Agree with you guys on there, Josh Allen comment. Yeah, I, Joe Burrow is an outstanding quarterback. He's gonna. I again, if they could now, if the Bengals do not upgrade their offensive line, I don't know how long Joe Burrow is gonna last in the league. You know, it could. You know, but um, yeah, like right now, Josh Allen, you're completely right. He did everything he could. He did everything in his willpower to try to win his team the game. They just again, some of his coaching, some of his defense. That supposed to be one of the top defenses in the league, and they got absolutely torched by again. And Mahomes is in that offense is unbelievable. Um, but yeah, that, that was such a great game. You know, Matt Allen did everything he could, but yeah, like it, it I could see the Chiefs getting pressure on him, um, bro, this week. And yeah, because, um, what in Mahomes 10 or 11 playoff games at Arrowhead, he's got 23 touchdowns and one interception. It just kind of shows he's not going to make that mistake. He's gonna, you know, and the Bengals secondary isn't great, so I can't, they're not going to really shut him down or slow him down at all. So yeah, like Joe Burrow's got to stay away from that mistake. It's going to be tough because I do think he's going to be under, probably not as much as last week, but he's going to be under pressure a lot in this game. And I do think that could really come back to hurt them. And yeah, I could see him making another pick or two. And yeah, it could be a two, two score game, maybe a three score game because Mahomes usually off a turnover makes you pay for it. And that's the problem, especially if it's a short field. It's, you know, there's no question the Chiefs are scoring seven points off of it. So yeah, he's got to protect the football. Yeah, absolutely. They're not facing Ron Tannehill because Tannehill handed them that game last week. And oh God, yeah, Mahomes that'll, that'll is probably be that his, this week. No, and that'll probably be his last game as a Titan. He was absolutely pathetic. He was absolutely pathetic in that game. Yeah, he was. Yeah, <laughs> um, like the like the Titans, I you know kind of shocked they're throwing the ball there. They could have, I guess, tried to play for overtime. But yeah, Tannehill was just oh, he's horrible. And they had guys back, you know, like. Jones was healthy. Brown was healthy. Derek Henley looked pretty good. Foreman had a, good, a couple of good runs. It's like, yeah, like that, the team did everything they could. And yeah, Ryan Taylor kind of lost in that game. Yeah, like Burrow wasn't great either, but he was under pressure the whole entire game. So it's, you know, I can't, I don't want to kill him because it's, he really couldn't do much out there. Uh, but yeah, Tannehill really cost him that game last week. 
Um, yeah, yeah, like he, you know, that's that the thing. Yeah, Bengals are not facing that this week. It's a total 180. Um, can be an elite quarterback, be an elite quarterback <laughs> in the XFL? Yeah, exactly, right. exactly. He's no better than an above average quarterback in, in the NFL. That, 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 that the, 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 he proved that. I mean, people said he wasn't the same guy in Miami. Yeah, he was the same guy. He just had better weapons around him. He just had AJ Brown and he had Derrick Henry. That's why he put up. Uh, he put up numbers, and in those in those playoff wins, were pretty much because of Derrick Henry, not Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, no, absolutely. That the, when the Patriots Henry killed them, they had what they picked Brady off two or three times in that game. You know their defense was Derrick. Yeah, there's the defense and Derrick Henry pretty much carried them, pretty much like last week. You know they're you know Henry. Well, Henry didn't. You know obviously Henry was still you know just coming back off of injury, but their defense kind of kept them in that game for all the turnovers. They held them to a bunch of field goals. So yeah, Tannehill just he's mediocre at best yeah he's got a lot he's got better weapons than he did in Miami he's got a better coach than he did in Miami but he's pretty much still the same guy you know this was a team that you know they got the one seed it was team supposed to you know be another team that had a chance to make the Super Bowl to go on kind of a run with the talent they had and yeah Tano kind of cost them that run you know again I assume he'll be back in Tennessee next year but let's see you know I don't know how much more you could put around them to try to help them out because they're kind of already loaded offensively Exactly, exactly, exactly. But but going back to the to the Chiefs and the Bengals, I just feel like you know the Bengals they've had a great run, but they're just an inexperienced team playing the two time defending AFC champions. I, I just feel like yes, they have a chance because of how good their offense is and their defense is decent. But I just I got to go with experience in this game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do too. You know, Kansas City's been there. These guys know how to win it. And then even the coaching mismatch, Andy Reid, even the coordinators we had are just, it's just a total mismatch from Zach Taylor and his staff. So yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, I think even the coaching side of things, it's a huge advantage for the Chiefs. And I, I can't see Cincinnati walking in there and seeing them win this game. Again, I, you know, I think they're, think Joe Burrow is good enough to lead them to do it, but I just, I can't see him out doing Patrick Mahomes because the two losses, Mahomes has in the playoffs are both a Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Tom Brady. Yeah. Is it a Tom Brady and Joe Burrow's good, but he's not Tom Brady and Zach Taylor. Yes. You know, he's in the, he's in the conference championship game, but you don't need to be great to get to a conference championship game. You can get to a conference championship game and, and not be that good of a coach. Doug Marone with the Jaguars. You could, you could yeah. somehow get to a conference championship game and not be that good of a coach. So Zach Taylor didn't do a great job, you know, making sure Joe Burrow was protected. He's got to do a better job of that this week if they want any chance to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, absolutely he does. You know, he's got to protect his franchise quarterback. They 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 do have to do a much better job. They were horrible last week. It's what he's been sacked like 51 times this year. Like it that's a lot, you know, for year two. He got hit a lot last year before the injury. So yeah, Zach Taylor's got to do a much better job. Again, he saved his job this year for the the run that they've been on here, but yeah, he's still not the greatest coach in the world. Not a big fan. I think they do need another coach to get them to that Super Bowl. Again, maybe, you know, this team, they, the talent, you know, with Joe Burrow is there. Uh, but, yeah, Zach Taylor versus Andy Reid's a total total mismatch. And I, I expect Reid to absolutely outcoach him. Make the make the adjustments if Burrow goes on a run here. If, if Burrow has a couple of good drives, I expect, you know, Kansas City make the adjustments to um, to slow them down and, yeah, I it just and I don't see Zach Taylor kind of answering those. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. But we got to get to the NFC Championship game between the 49ers and the Rams. The 49ers have had the Rams number since 2019. They have beaten them six straight times. And a big reason for that is the Rams aren't great stopping the run. 
and the 49ers, their bread and butter is running the football. Oh, and uh, th- that's been a big reason why. And I feel like this week they'll do a little bit more of the same. I think Debo being banged up is going to hurt them, though, a little bit. I think Debo being banged up, that, that, that's, that, that, that could, that's definitely going to hurt them. But I do think they're going to be able to compete in this game. I think they get pressure on Stafford, force a turnover from Stafford. But I do think the Rams defense forces a turnover for, from uh, Garoppolo. I think this is a close, competitive game that's going to come right down to the end. But it's, I think it's going to come down to the end with the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. And he either doesn't convert or turns the ball over. And the, I got the Rams going to their second Super Bowl in four years, beating the 49ers 24-17. But, Justin, can this run? Can the Niners' run game and defense get them to their second Super Bowl in three years? I think they can. I think they do. I think the Niners um, knock them off for a third straight time, or I guess for a third time this year. Um, you know, in week 18, I know that the Niners got down early in that game, but they dominated the box where I think they had four, four, they had over 460 yards. The Rams only had 265. Uh, you know, Debo Samuel, he had over 10 yards of um, a play per, per touch. I know he's banged up, but I could see him ha- having a big day if he's healthy. I think the way they move their wide receivers around of Ayuk, Samuel, and, and you know, Kittle, um, John Johnson even had a big game week 18. Again, kind of moving them around and, you know, um, Ramsey's not on the same guy the whole time. So, I, you know, and I think with their creative run game with Elijah Mitchell, he's got a really good rookie year. I think they do do enough on the ground. And, I, you know, yeah, like, the again, the, the Niners offense, it, you know, was, was horrible last week. They really could not get anything going. They made some big plays kind of the special teams. But I, I do, I you know, I'm going to take Kyle Shannon over Sean McVay. I think with their creative run game that they have, I think those – does give the Rams problems once again. I know the Rams have been better against the rush. Um, you know, um, you know, I, I, and I think, you know, against, I, I know the Rams this year have been better against the run. I just, I can't, um, I, 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 I just, I think it's a coaching match between Shanahan and, and, and uh, McVay. I didn't really like how McVay called that second half until the final drive. And I, I think, you know, Garoppolo probably does make that mistake or two. But I think their defense special teams makes up for it. I think the Niners run well enough, use play action, get Samuel. Brandon Ayuk had over 100 yards in the last outing in week 18. And I think the Niners find a way to go on the road and win this game. All right, we got a comment that the Niners will demolish the Rams. It's going to be a Red Sea again at Levi South. Shannon has a superior coach to McVay and we'll get the job done. And Jimmy G will head to a second Super Bowl. They're not going to demolish the Rams, dude. Do you understand the talent that's on this Rams team? You understand that, you know, Aaron Donald's on this team. You understand Jalen Ramsey's on this team. You understand that Von Miller's on this team. You understand that uh, oh, that Cooper Cup, one of the best receivers in the game, is on this team. You understand Odell Beckham's on this team. I mean, come on, demolish the Rams. Come on, come on. This is not this is not a week. This is not a week nine game where they were just trying to get to know each other. Yeah, you might be referencing that Monday night game where they're trying to get to know each other. They're not going to demolish it. If the 49ers win it. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be a close competitive game because you don't have the better quarterback in this game. The Rams have a better chance of beating you by two scores than you have beating them by by a couple scores. So the the 49ers are not gonna they're not gonna demolish the Rams. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a if the 49ers win, it's gonna be like a you know a 23-20, you know, 27-20. I get the fact they demolished him the first time, but here's the reason why they demolished him the first time. That was the first that was Von Miller was was on the was I was like it was that was the Von Miller that was the first game Von Miller played. Uh Odell Beckham. Yeah, it was the first game he played. The, they, they, their pieces weren't coming together yet. They and they had to replace some guys that got hurt. They had to replace, you know, 
Robert Woods, who got hurt. So Stafford, he had a, he had a rough game. And, 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 and let's be honest, that's another game. And that was a game the 49ers had to win. They were three and five. If they didn't win that game, they probably were out of it. So it was a must win for the 49ers. And the Rams, and the Rams, you know, were trying to get, the, were trying to, uh, you know, get their, get, uh, maybe the Rams hadn't played with guys like Beckham and Von Miller hadn't played that much with the Rams. So if you're going off the first game, come on now. Come on. Come on. <laughs> there you go. Sketchy. I'll have to disagree with you. Demolish, demolish, no, win, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I think they very they very easily could win the game. There is no there is no way the 49ers will win this game by more than 17 points. You can guarantee that. Yeah, I think the only chance of Stafford gets hurt, and maybe they still, because I don't think the Niners would, you know, the Niners aren't a team that's going to put up like 30 more points. You know, they're going to score like 30 on you. Yeah, I, I again, I, I this game is going down to the wire. It's two evenly matched divisional teams. I, I cannot see it being a blowout. Yeah, you know that week nine game, the Niners. It, yeah, it was desperation mode for the Niners. The Niners had to win that game. It was a desperation effort. They, you know, and yeah, they won big. And yeah, the Niners chemistry wise just was not all there yet. The past six games they played, the Niners have dominated the stat sheets, include points scored or average points scored. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, yeah they, they, I think. Box score wise, I think they yeah, they have, but it's a divisional game, NFC Championship game. Yeah, Stafford's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. The the Rams have arguably the most talented team on on paper in the NFL right now. That's you know standing with all the pieces they have defensively and offensively. The Rams are a really good team. They just went down to Tampa Bay and yeah, they almost blew it, but they were up twenty seven to three one point against the, the defending Super Bowl champions. They were they were killing them. I can't see that. I can't see the Niners blowing out, blowing this this team out once again, like Week Nine. You, oh, week Ten. That was my mistake. Week Ten. But oh, but yeah. the, here's okay. but the point is, is the two games you won against them were games you had to win. Obviously, the last game of the season you had season you had to win to get into the playoffs, and that Week Ten game you had to win to stay in the playoff race. You had to win those games. There's no way you're going to blow out a team with that much talent and is that and, and a team that's that well coached. I know you've beaten them six straight times, but how many of those that were Matthew, was Matthew Stafford, the quarterback, only two of them. How many, how many of those games was Odell Beckham? So Beckham and Stafford, only two of those games they played. So it'll be a very good game. It could go either way. And also let's not, let's not, let's not forget Debo Samuel's banged up and Trent Williams is banged up and Jimmy G's banged up. And you really realistically last week, you only scored six points. How do you feel like you're going to, how do you feel like you're going to dominate a team like, like you're going to dominate a team with that much talent when you only scored six offensive points last week. You should be thankful Green Bay special teams is as terrible as it is. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Their offense was pathetic last week. They, you know, they got lucky that, you know, their defense played outstanding and their special team made the black punt. You know, they did nothing all, all game, you know. Um, they, yeah, you know, again, yeah, Bain, the team banged up with Williams too and Jimmy G, you know, with a shoulder injury too. Yeah, it, it's just I I can't see the Niners coming in here blowing them out. I just I think they're I, you know because the Niners are I mean the the Rams are the better team, and yeah, it's not it's not week ten. It's not again both teams are desperate to get the win. Yeah, you, as I forget too, you, as you mentioned, yeah, week week eighteen too was for the Niners. It, it was winner get in. It was yeah desperation game for them. They had to win that game to get in, and you know the Rams, you know in the first half they you know did well against uh, you know off a couple of turnovers they they um. You know, got got the lead, but the Niners, you know, played a really good second half. Jimmy G was on fire because Stafford opened that first half too, like fifteen for sixteen, and you know, he, they were rolling. That offense was rolling for for most of that first half. So, 
yeah, I, I, I see this game coming down the wire. It's probably going to come down to the last possession. But, yeah, it's going to come down to, like, what, you know, um, you know, which quarterback does not make that big mistake. I could see either one of those two quarterbacks doing it, you know, making that big, that big pick. But, yeah, it, it's, it's absolutely going to be a one-score game. Absolutely, and, and 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 you said it. I don't feel completely confident with e- with either of these quarterbacks. If the, if they're losing, I do not feel confident. Even though Matthew Stafford had a great moment last week, but the game was tied. If both these quarterbacks are losing late in the game, I don't feel confident that one, with 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 the two defenses, I don't feel confident that one of those two, uh, either of these quarterbacks, are going to drive them are going to drive their team down the field and win the game. And you got another comment. Rams almost lost too. Obviously, the 49ers are doing something right because they're in the NFC Championship game. 49ers, no, 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 no. It's not superior. It's a good line. Eric Armstead is good. Nick Boza is good. And it's not even as good as it was a couple years ago. They've been they played well in the playoffs. They have 10 sacks in the playoffs. I'll give them that. But the Rams offensive line is good as well. I mean, Andrew Whitworth and Robert Havenstein and, and uh the center, they played, they played well. The Rams have a good offensive line. Yes, there have been times the 49ers in, in those two games, they dominated them. But the Rams have a good offensive line. It's not like the Rams' offensive line is terrible. So we'll see. And then that is a could definitely be a key to the game. If 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 the Niners do get a ton of pressure on Stafford, there is a good chance they could win the game. That's a key to the game. The Rams' offensive line is going to have to contain that Niners' pass rush. That's a key to the game. But they're it, they're not they're not far they're not they're not superior to the Rams' offensive line. That's not true. No, the Rams' offensive line's been good all year. It's been it's been good. It's you know they went where it's. You know, a veteran guy. You know, he he's been good. You know, his, his whole career. I I expect yeah. I I the 49ers have a great pass rush. They did a good job last week. They've been good throughout the playoffs. And yeah, that that was like a big thing in the second half was the Niners pass rush there. They kind of flustered Stafford in the second half. You know, again, like if they yeah, they if the Niners can kind of fluster Stafford and they can get enough pressure on him, then I think the Niners have a very good shot. But I wouldn't say it's superior. Again, the, the it's not, you know, they would be superior if they were going to be in Cincinnati's offensive line, but they're not. The Rams are a be- much better offensive line than the Cincinnati Bengals. And that's why, yeah, you know, they'll get, pre- I expect them to get pressure on them, but I wouldn't say it's superior to them. I, I just, I, you know, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, it's a Rams offensive line is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we got to get to Hector's comment. Uh, he said, as good as Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, you have to credit the NFC West f- for going to the Super Bowl for the third time with two different teams in, in the last four years. Yeah, NFC West right mm-hmm. now is the best division in the NFL, and, and there's no debate about it. There's there's no debate. I mean, the, 49, the 49ers and Rams are playing for who's who's going to go to the Super Bowl. The Cardinals, you can say what you want about Cliff Kingsbury. They're a good team. The Cardinals are, are, are a good team. They've improved every year. I mean, you can say what you want about Cliff. But they've improved every year, and I think a big, I think it's a, Kyler Murray's a bigger reason for that, and their roster is a bigger reason for that than Cliff Kingsbury, and even Seattle. If Russell Wilson was healthy, don't forget Seattle beat Seattle beat uh, Seattle, Seattle beat the uh, 49ers twice. Don't forget that Seattle beat the 49ers twice. Seattle probably, if Russell Wilson was healthy, would have probably would have probably gotten the playoffs. So they they probably would have gotten four teams in the playoffs if Russell Wilson was healthy. So I mean. I mean, yeah, Hector, great point on the NFC West there. They they clearly proved in this postseason that they are cl- that is clearly the best division in football. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that that division, I know we were talking about it before, you know, before the season was like, you know, are all four teams going to be above 500 at the end of the year? And we thought it's a pretty good possibility. Yeah, if Russell Wilson's healthy, that's probably a true fact that yeah, all four finish over 500. You wonder, too, like having to go through this gauntlet like they have, just it prepares them more for the playoffs. There may be like a team like Tampa that kind of 
their division. I know they struggled against the Saints, but they kind of crewed by into Carolina and the Panthers. Dallas doesn't play in the the, the, the toughest division. Now, obviously, the Packers in that division. Um, I know the Vikings beat them once. You know, who knows that if Cousins plays the uh, Sunday night or week 17, maybe it's a closer game, but like maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it prepares teams more in the playoffs when you go through a gauntlet, like gauntlet, like the NFC West. Yeah, you know, the, the, the uh, NFC West has been unbelievable. Um, yeah, you know, the last couple of years with the, with the, getting those teams out. Yeah, like Rodgers has, you know, had not been able to do it, you know, um, and, and with, yeah, with Brady still in that division, the, the, um, the, the NFC was still kind of it's still has only NFC West here for the last you know couple of years. And that is a great point you made. That was a great point you made. The NFC West teams are battle tested because they play, you know, they play each other twice. They play each other twice. So it, like if you look at a team like the Cowboys, they played the Giants twice. I mean, that's like two that, 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 this year, that was two automatic wins. You I, I mean, and you look at like the Packers, they played the Bears twice, the Lions twice. I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it, that's a great point that you know these te- the, the, a big a reason why these two teams are here is because they were battle they were battle tested during the regular season. That's a great point. I I'm going to go back to you know when the Giants won the Super Bowl in 2007. The NFC East was outstanding that year. The the uh, they, they got three teams in the playoffs. The Cowboys were 13 and three. The Giants were 10 and six. Washington was that was probably the best Washington has been in 20 years. That, that era, like from like 05 to like oh from like 05 to 08, to 08 was the best Washington was in like the last uh, two decades and then you had the Eagles with Andy Reid so that division was so tough so when that team got because and then when they got in the playoffs they 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 beat the Buccaneers they beat the Buccaneers and they were clearly like and they and they were clearly the better team in that game they beat Dallas and they beat Green Bay so yeah playing in a tough division could definitely help you come playoff time it's definitely helped these two teams yeah absolutely yeah you go yeah that was seven giant team yeah they went to Lambo nobody really thought they were going to Lambo knocking those guys off they did you know that what, what was that was what, what was what was the difference? That was, that, what did you say? That was two thousand seven. Yeah, yeah, we, they, what, they, they were thirteen, like 13, 13 they, they were thir- thirteen, oh, 13 and three. three. But the but the reason they were thirteen yeah, and three, their division was not anywhere near as good as the NFC East, and and, and it was the yeah. same thing this year with the 49ers. The 49ers played in a much tougher division, and I, and that I I feel like that that uh, played to their advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, you know, going back to the Rodgers. In like the last two years in the FC um, North games, he's got 36 touchdowns and no interceptions. I, I think that kind of just shows you, yeah. Now you, you know, yeah. he doesn't face much defense in the, that division. Now he faces a good show- minus soon. Yeah, and it shows you that. The, and seeing his, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Aaron Rodgers guy, but seeing his playoff failures, those those stats are a little bit skewed because he's not facing. You know, I know Joe likes to say it, it doesn't matter who you face, but sometimes it does because you want to be facing tough competition because when you get when you when you get when you get into the playoffs, like I said, you want to be battle tested. Yeah, absolutely, you do. You know, you do. You're you know, Niners weren't intimidated going to Green Bay last week, and they, they that wasn't intimidating for them. You know, the Rams going to Tampa Bay, they've had confidence in Tampa. They've knocked them off the last couple of years. Yeah, they again, yeah, you got these veteran teams that yeah that just kind of go through uh, you know a tough schedule. You know, playing Arizona, playing Seattle when they're healthy, the Rams. Like, yeah, you know, and when yeah, when you get Tampa Bay. You know, playing Carolina again. The Saints have been tough for them, but the Panthers are not very good. The Falcons are kind of in a rebuild mode here. Yeah, with the NFC East, just again, it's outside the Cowboys. It's just not great right now. I'm like, look at the Eagles. The Eagles benefited from playing the division. They won. You know, they didn't beat oh, yeah. five hundred. The only the only reason the Eagles made the playoffs was because they they uh the, because the, the, really they they played the they played you know the, the three like their last four 
three, uh, like three of the last four games were against the Giants and Washington. And they started terribly in those games. They were playing like you know, even the Seahawks. They would have lost those games. But that was that. Yeah, that was the reason why that Eagles team made the playoffs. Yeah, and you saw what happened when they got to the you know when they played Tampa Bay in the first round. They got they got demolished. It was thirty one nothing. They kind of kept it. You know, they they kind of got back in the game, but they they you know they they was a total mismatch. So yeah, it just again you know it's probably again yeah it's tough to play in a good division, but it does help if you can make the playoffs. It's it's gonna it's gonna make you better. Again, maybe it's the same thing with the Bengals here. I know the NFC North was really banged up, but that was probably you know one of the most talked divisions. Again, absolutely, like absolutely, absolutely. I, yeah, that that definitely, and they and they played a team from the NFC South that had the Jaguars and the Texans in it. I mean, I mean, and 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 even the Colts, who they beat twice. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that it definitely helped a team like the Bengals. That NFC North is really competitive. The worst team as a, as one of the top rosters in the league. So absolutely, that that helped that helped a team like the Bengals. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think it kind of just goes to show that. Again, the battle test. Again, for the Patriots, it never was really a problem with how bad the division was over the but years. The, but but the difference there is they had the yeah, they, they had an outstanding yeah. coach and an incredible quarterback. If you have those, yeah. it doesn't matter who you're playing, you're gonna win. Yeah, you should, yeah, most yeah. They you know they yeah they had a couple of hiccups, but yeah you know um, yeah when you have that combo, you, you're good. But yeah, you know the Bengals. Yeah, it just this guy this just shows that again, it's good to play in that tough division. It battle it battle tests you for. Points like this, it, it kind of proves that you know again you're not really afraid to go up against anybody. You kind of can beat any. Yeah, again, those all those you know the Niners Rams must you know and they they kind of go up there thinking they could go beat everybody. Being in that division, you know, there's no there's no fear in those those teams in that in the in that division of playing one another and playing oh, outside of it. Oh, absolutely not, absolutely not. But you know, t- to wrap up, I think this is going to be a fun NFC Championship game. I'm really excited to watch it. I think you got two division rivals going at it. I'm just going to take the Rams because I think they got, they, especially with the injuries. I think the injuries make a difference with Trent when we don't know if Trent Williams is going to play. We don't know if Debo Samuel will probably play. We don't know if Trent Williams is going to play. And uh, I, and I think the Rams got the better quarterback. That's why I'm I'm going with the Rams close 24-17 close. Yeah, I, I'm going to get the Niners 24-20. Yeah, you know the injuries concern me, but I think the Niners offensively make a big play. I think special teams makes another big play this week. Um, I think the running game does enough in this game. I think the balance attack that the Niners are going to throw out the, the um, Rams is enough for them to succeed. I think Debo Samuel could have a big game, the passing and the rushing game or, you know, receiving game and, and rushing game. And I think the Niners find a way to do enough because Kyle Shanahan has had Sean McVay's number. And I think he does once again. I, I think, you know, he, he makes some good adjustments. I You know, he scripts some good drives out there and I take the Niners to go on the road and beat the Rams once again. Yeah, it should be a great game. It should be a great NFC Championship game between these two teams. But we got to transition over to my team. And uh, on Friday, they made a new hire at general manager. They hired Joe Shane as their as their new GM. And 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 first off, I like I really like the hire. I like the fact that this team finally finally went outside the organization. This is the first time since 1978 since they hired George Young that this team has gone outside the organization. So I really really like I really like the hire. Of a, uh, of a Joe Shane and obviously and today he had his press conference and uh, there, there's 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 some takeaways from it the first one was is he likes Daniel Jones he likes Daniel Jones so and, and he said he said I'm gonna build I'm gonna try to build an offense that's gonna that's gonna be you know that's, that's gonna uh, that 
it's going to set him up to succeed. That's that's going to that's going to uh, match his skill set. So I, I really like how he he likes Daniel Jones. Uh, second thing he said, he wants the head coach to be a leader, and I really I, I like that. I like that he wants the head coach to be a leader. It needs to be. He needs to. He needs to. Be, he needs to be a leader of men. If you look at the last three Giants head coaches, uh, McAdoo. I mean, he was he was an offensive coordinator. By year two, he lost the locker room. Pat Shermer, probably the probably out of the out of the three out of the last three Giants coaches, he was probably the best leader of men. But his in-game decision making was was absolutely terrible, and that was a big big reason why he he, he does not he is not a good head he was not a good head coach. And then Joe Judge, we saw enough of Joe Judge. We saw enough of him making a fool out of himself in press conferences, running quarterback sneaks. The team became a joke with Joe Judge. So I feel like he wants a, a leader of men as the head coach of this team. And uh, I'm, I'm I, I, I think he's going to make that. I think he's going to make uh, the right. De- I think he's going to make the right decision as the head coach. I feel like obviously the favorite is Brian Dable. I don't mind Brian Dable. I always read. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Brian Dable. I mean, if you, if you look at Dable, I mean, he's be coached in new England. I mean, he's coached a lot of places, New England, the Jets, yeah. Cleveland, Miami. He was at Alabama one year. So I think he's ready for this opportunity. They gave Leslie Frazier a second interview. They also interviewed the defensive coordinator with the Bengals. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to think who else they who else they, who else uh, they interviewed. Uh, Dan Quinn, they obviously interviewed him, the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. They have, I think they have an interview lined up today with Brian Flores, and they have an interview uh, – with uh, Patrick Graham, I, cause I don't, even though he's he's a long shot to get the job, they're not going to bring yeah. back. They're probably hopefully they don't bring back somebody from the previous coaching staff to be the head coach. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think so. My first two choices are Dable and uh, and, uh, and and uh, Dable and uh, Flores. Uh, those are definitely my first two choices. But I have a feeling they're going to go Dable. Yeah, uh, I think Dable would be a great fit. For, you know, because I think the thing about Dable is, too, he's been a defensive coach, too, and offensive. And you don't really see that out of coordinators. Usually it's, they stick to one side of the ball. And I think that's a huge advantage for, you know, um, the head coach to kind of have the experience on both sides of the football as a coach. So I think, yeah, Dable will be an excellent hire. Um, I, I do like the hire of Joan Chain as the GM. I, it's crazy to think that the Giants have stayed in-house since 1978. It just, you know, I, I just – I don't – Again, I that is it's crazy to see, but um, I think it's smart, and I think it really shows that kind of Marin kind of knew that they needed to change some things up. Yeah, he's got a um, you know, he's you know kind of been around with the, again, kind of helping really build that Bills team, you know, helping develop you know Josh Allen and, and that that Bills team finally kind of after like twenty years of just kind of struggling since the nineties, kind of finally got over the hump and, and started to you know. Be contender once again. The AFC did a really good job helping out building that um, that organization, you know, building that team back up. So I think it's a good hire. It sounds like he wanted the Giants job too, which you know you love to hear. You know, as a Giant fan, that you know he really liked it. Um, you know, Daniel Jones bringing him back too. I, I think it's a good move. You give him another shot because I, I think if you rebuild that offensive line and you find a scheme that works for Daniel Jones, I think he'd be a pretty good quarterback. You know, if he can cut down the turnovers, he could stay on the field, which is obviously the most important thing. I, I think he could do it. I think, you know, Daniel Jones could be a good quarterback in this league. Yeah, he may not be the top five, maybe not even top ten, but, like, if he can get to an Eli-type level, I think he'd take Absolutely. that in the end of the week. Great point, great point. Eli-type level, that was good enough to win a couple championships. If he can get to that level, exactly. If you can get to that second level, like, Eli, 
wasn't elite. He was not great. He was he was very good. If you could be on that, you know, Eli Manning, you know, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Ryan, Tony Romo. If you could be on that level, and I'm yeah, Ryan and Romo didn't win Super Bowls, but there were other things that contributed to that. Uh, but uh, yeah, but yeah, if you can get on that level, you have you have a quarterback that that, that, that you 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 got you got a chance. You have a chance if you can get to that Eli Man yeah that Eli Manning level. He you, you got a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, I, I think you've got a team good enough around them. Yeah, they they're gonna give you they're gonna you know. Your quarterbacks can give you a shot. Yeah, you like you know they again they had playoff appearances. Yeah, they won the couple of Super Bowls. Again, yeah, Eli was never a guy that you know you know was year in year out was instead of that MVP level, but he was good enough. Yeah, to kind of get you the playoffs, win you a couple games, win you a couple of Super Bowls. Yeah, he's just good enough. He stayed on the field. He was always healthy. He was just like, you know, yeah, he's not top of the level guy, but yeah, he was good enough. He did enough for this organization. It's you just put a good enough team around. You know, um, like with the Jano Jones, I, I think, you know, you can just get that level out of him. I think, yeah, I think he'd take it. I think Daniel Jones would be successful in this league. Oh, I'll, yeah, he definitely he definitely has a shot to. A couple other takeaways I had, going back to the head coach, he said it doesn't have to have head coach. The head coach doesn't have to. He said it's, the head coach has got to be the best coach for the New York Giants. It doesn't have to have previous experience. So I could see how they're pointing in that direction of, of uh, Brian Dable. I, I could see that. I, I definitely – you can see how they're how they're uh, pointing that and they're pointing in that direction. Another thing I like too was he's admitted this team, you know, has serious cap issues, and uh, he's he's got he's got to fix them. He says the the, uh, the salary cap issues are a real concern. So I, I, I'm confident that you know this this guy can fix them. The one thing that did concern me though with what he said today though was he said that the head coaching decision is going to be a collaborative effort. I do not want this head coaching decision to be a collaborative effort. I want it to be Joe Shane's decision and Joe Shane's decision only. I want him being the only person to – I want him being the only person to have input on who the head coach is because we've seen us fail in the last three head coaches when the Mara and Tish family – the Mara family have had input. I don't want the Mara family having input. I want Joe Shane to have input on who the next head coach is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you got to – I think Mary's got to let him do what you know Shane wants to do. Again, now Dable's got the uh, experience with you know that Belichick and Saban tree, so Mayor may like that anyways. He may be a fan of that. That he's got the you know he's he's got the bill the bill tree in him. So, but yeah, I think it's got to be his decision here. If you you know, and I thought it was more of you know if he brought Shane in here, he was going to kind of let the GM do what he wanted to instead of kind of having some control like Mayor has of kind of being in the organization. Yeah, I think you got to let him pick his guy. And I, I think he should be the only one that kind of makes the call of Brian Dable. Again, I, I assume, if, you know, he's going to persuade him as much as he can. If, if Dable is that guy at the end, I think he, you know, I, I think he'll persuade the mayors and tissues enough to want, you know, to, you know, to hire him. But yeah, I think it's got to be a Joe Shane decision here to hire um, whoever he wants. But yeah, it sounds like he's probably Dable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see what happens with the Giants head coach, uh, with, with who becomes the Giants head coach. We probably will, 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 we will. I'm, I'm pretty sure we will know by next week who the Giants head coach is. We'll definitely talk about that. But to wrap up our NFL talk, we're going to talk about the Bears, and they have hired their new GM, and that is uh, Ryan Poles uh, to be to be their GM. I, I like the hire comes from Kansas City, of course. I like how these teams are picking from that, bu- pulling from from Buffalo and Kansas City. They saw that game. And those teams are they're pulling from those two franchises because they know 
that's the that's the way this game is going, and that's the future of the league. So uh, Ryan Poles came from Kansas City, so I, I, I like the hire. I mean, the head coach is going to be key. Who he hires as head coach is going to be key. I think it's going to. I've been I, I've seen I've been reading this down to three guys: Jim Caldwell, who's the favorite, and I like Jim Caldwell. I think he got raw deals in in, in both yeah. stops. He got he got fired in Indianapolis when he was two and fourteen, and uh, he was he was he was two and fourteen. And Peyton Manning was hurt that entire year. So I thought I think that he got a raw deal there. And I thought he got a really raw deal in Detroit. He got fired and the team went nine and seven. And look at the Detroit Lions since uh Jim Jim Caldwell was fired. Uh they Matt Patricia was a complete disaster. And then uh and then uh, then this year, yeah, they were re- they, they were rebuilding, but they they still went three and thirteen. So the Lions have been terrible since Jim Caldwell has has, has left. Uh another guy is Matt Eberflus. He's, a, he's another guy. And then third is Dan Quinn. I think the top two choices there should be Dan Quinn or uh, Dan Quinn or uh, Caldwell. Jim Caldwell. They should, they should be the top two choices. Eberflus, he doesn't really have any experience. I think the Bears, we've seen where the Bears have failed. I mean, uh, Matt Nagy, uh, no, no head coaching experience. Mark Tressman, no head coaching experience. They did have John Fox, but, but, uh, and he, and he didn't succeed either, but I feel like the Bears need a leader of men, a, a leader of men, and Jim Caldwell has proved that. That's why I think the Bears are in good shape. And seeing what's happening outside the division with Aaron Rodgers, too, Rodgers could be gone. They hired Jim Caldwell. He helps Justin Fields. That team, this team could definitely be, uh, a, this team could could be close to a playoff team next year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I thought Ron Poles was a good hire, too. You know, he's had an impact as well at building that KC team. He's been a good evaluator drafting-wise. He's a bit, you know, with Mahomes, Travis Kelsey driving those guys. And that's where kind of the Bears have kind of struggled the last few years, I feel like, in the draft. Now, Justin Fields, it's early, but, like, all kind of signs are he's going to be a good quarterback in this league. But outside of really Fields, they haven't been great. Dave Montgomery's turned into a solid running back. But, um, you know, so, and some of the draft choices has kind of been interesting the last few years under Matt Nagy. So I and, and Brian Pace. So I do like Deron Poole's hire. Again, yeah, you're absolutely right. The way the league's going with the game we saw Sunday night, you gotta have these offensive guys that you know kind of you know know how to you know build these offenses around top of the line quarterbacks, finding that talent in in, in um in quarterbacks. So yeah, I, I expect you know I think Ryan Poole's a good hire for these guys and for the Bears, the whole fleet trying to turn this thing around. And and, and you're exactly right about the division with. The uncertainty right now of Aaron Rodgers being in Green Bay or not, this division's absolutely wide open. The Vikings are in the transition too. The Lions are still in rebuild mode. So yeah, it's wide open. Anybody, any, you know, any four of these teams would win the division if Rodgers leaves. So yeah, I, th- I think Brian Poole's gonna do a good job at Chicago and hopefully get that, you know, that team back going. And yeah, I'm with you. I think you got a higher Caldwell. I think, you know, I know this is more of a college kind of thing, but like you know, but I think he got to Detroit as at this, you know, to um to their ceiling. Like I don't, you know, under this organ or under that like ownership and all that, I think he got him to their ceiling. And they had to fire him and see what has happened since it was ridiculous. He never should have lost his job in Detroit because they had been awful without him. I think you gotta hire him if you're Detroit. Um I, I mean if you're Chicago, because yeah, I just I never understood why they 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 fired him. You know, I I never got that that understanding, but I, I think Caldwell's got to be the guy. I think he's yeah he's he's been good, um you know in Indianapolis. Yeah, I know it ended bad there going two and fourteen, but yeah with Manny being out and then with with Detroit the way what he did with Detroit I, I think was was unbelievable that we've seen and 
the only relevancy they've been since what, like 90? When's the last time they made the NFC Championship? Like, was it 91? NFC 92? Championship game, not 91, 91 with Barry Sanders. Yeah. Yeah, so they they have been nothing. So they they haven't got close, you know. Besides Cabo, besides when he's been there. So yeah, I think you got to hire. Um, you know, I am favored hiring them or hiring him to be the next head coach of the Bears. Yeah, that would be a good move if they hired Jim Caldwell. But uh, we we got to wrap it. We got to wrap up the NFL. But Big Poppy got elected to the Hall of Fame. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement that you don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? And how often do you think about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies, doing the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident with your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website or give us a call at 860-430-5397. So first, before we you know talk about the whole controversy of the Baseball Hall of Fame, we first, we want to congratulate David Ortiz for getting to the Hall of Fame. I mean, yes, he was linked to the steroids, and we'll get to that, but a ph- phenomenal career with the Red Sox. I mean, three-time World Series champion, World Series MVP in 2013, had two huge hits in that 2004 ALCS. I mean, the guy was a legend. He was a, so- a Red Sox, a-, a legend in Boston. I mean, I think I think the greatest outside. Of, I, I think he's, he's the greatest DH of all time. He was an outstanding player. So congratulations to him getting into the Hall of Fame. But here's my problem with 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 with, with, with last night with with the voting. It is so hypocritical that you have a guy you have a guy who was linked to steroids and David Ortiz, and I don't want to take away from his accomplishment, but you don't let two guys in that were also linked to steroids. Two of the greatest players. In the history of the game, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, I think is a disgrace. I think that's what that's why I think the BBWA is a disgrace and an embarrassment that they didn't let this guy they didn't that they did not vote Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in. What more do you have to see? What more do you have to see? I mean, come on, they're Hall of Famers. Are you t- you're telling me that you're truly celebrating the history of baseball and you don't have the all-time leader in home runs into the Hall of Fame? You're telling me you're celebrating the history of baseball and you don't have Roger Clemens in the Hall of Fame? It's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. They need, they need to change this. They need to change it. One Hall of Famer in two years is an absolute disgrace. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. I'll I'll say my point after kind of talk Ortiz for a second here. He deserves, you know, he deserves to get in. You know, he, he kind of helped that team get their first. He won through the World Series, but it was a big part of how, you know, winning the 1-0-4 for the first one 86 years. Yeah, probably the greatest DH of all time. First DH to get into the Hall of Fame in his first year. You know, former uh, Rock had when he was at Minnesota. Like you know, again, it didn't work. Seattle got traded to Minnesota. Was DFA'd, played in Boston. Had a remarkable career. It was a great postseason hitter. Had some really big clutch hits. Um, and he probably sits up there in that Boston pedestal with Brady, Bobby Orr, Bill Russell. Like he he's sitting there as like the Red Sox. Oh, he, absolutely, he's, he's, no question. He's an absolute legend. He's a legend in Boston. Um, you know, so. Yeah, big part of kind of Boston of, of kind of that dynasty, you know, that dynasty they had there, getting the three worlds, you know, the three world series there, kind of getting, 
you know, getting their uh, World Series titles. So um, Ortiz obviously deserves to get in. And, yeah, I think it's ridiculous that Clement, Bonds, or Schillings, they're just not in. Um, like I, I saw a Bonds, Barry Bonds, that from, from 01 to 04, 39.5% of all Barry Bonds at bats ended in a walk or home run. In that time span, he also reached base in 94% of his games. <laughs> and he he played in the steroid era. If, if you weren't taking steroids in that era, you you know, like I, I know there's guys that didn't take the steroids, but again, like everybody was doing it. It was, yeah, was it right? Maybe not. You know, I don't know what side of the fence kind of everyone's kind of on the, you know, different sides of it. I think it's ridiculous. Again, Kurt Schilling, you know, I, it, Again, like it should oh, be performance on the field. Yeah, that's absurd too. Not because of his political views. Are you kidding me? You can't yeah. tell the story of you can't tell the, the story of the game without Kurt Schilling. That bloody sock performance in Game Six. I'm saying this to the Yankee fan. That bloody sock performance in Game Six is legendary. It's legendary. You don't. You and he, and then he was the MVP of the World Series when they beat the when and the Diamondbacks beat the Yankees in 01. You can't tell the story of the game without Kurt Schilling. He absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. He had as much to do. I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, no offense to David Ortiz. He had as much to do with the Red Sox getting past the Yankees than David Ortiz. He had as much to do with it than David Ortiz did. He had as much to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. That was a good, that bloody side game was a gutsy effort by him. And the shutdown the Yankees like he did, that is impressive. You can't tell, yeah, you can't tell baseball because, again, unfortunately for us, for Yankee fans, that's, one of the best series of all time. But yeah, again, you know, we're not going to see something like that again. For what the Red Sox did in that comeback, for what the Yankees beat them in game three, 19 eight, something like that. You got to come back with four straight. You know, you, you yeah, you, you can't tell the story of baseball without the Blake Sock game. It's ridiculous. And again, you know, it, it you know, Clement Bonds, yeah, you know, Ortiz, yeah, they may have, you know, again, who knows? Yeah, Ortiz deserves again, but yeah, he's been linked too. So I don't get the consistency. And I know, or and I know, Ortiz has been a more friendlier guy, maybe than a Bonds or Clements and, and Schillings, but that shouldn't matter. It should be performance based on the field. Who cares about Schilling political? Who cares? I, you know, yeah, exactly, it doesn't. It's exactly. not regular. Exactly, it, and it shows you how hypocritical. Yeah, it shows you how hypocritical baseball is too. They 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 turn their head. They they didn't enforce. Uh, they didn't enforce the rule. They didn't. It was not illegal when Bond, when Bonds and Clemens were doing steroids. It wasn't illegal. It wasn't illegal. So that, that that's that's the problem. So uh, you know, the, my my thing is is if it wasn't illegal and you tested positive, I think you're fine to get in the Hall of Fame. The guys that might not be able to get in are the guys like A Rod and Manny because they they tested positive when it when when it was against the rules when they should have been doing it. I put them in a different like like uh, Tim Kirkshen said on Sports Center last night. You put them in a different category. Bonds and Clemens. Are, are, just because they were, you know, good guys to the media? I mean, come on now. It, this is so hypocritical. Ortiz is linked to steroids. He gets – and that's the problem. If or, if nobody got in, I wouldn't have as big of a problem because at least you're being consistent. Now you're being inconsistent. You're, you let certain guys who are who you like you're going to put in, and then guys you don't like you're not going to put in. It's, 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 it's a process that nobody respects. It's, 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 ter- it's terrible. It's absolutely and – the, and the problem is, is – no offense to Big Poppy, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were much better were, 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 were better players than David Ortiz, and they're not in the Hall of Fame. If the Hall of Fame is truly celebrating the history of baseball, you would have Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. 
It's just an absolute disgrace. It's an embarrassment and it's a disgrace. And and they're going to continue with the steroid now that you have, you know, with you have all these steroids, mm-hmm. you have some of these steroid guys in the 75% of the vote, you're going to have Summers and Cooperstown where you have nobody in the Hall of Fame and you and the BBWA has no one to blame but themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's a total joke. It, it really is. And I, I again, I, I saw the story, what, it was like a month ago. The guy that did not, somebody emailed the guy, it was like another kind of um, reporter, kind of emailed the guy that did not let Jeter in. He said he's not in the Hall of Fame yet. He's not eligible to be on the ballot yet. That that, that was his reason why. He, no, he didn't even know. Wow, wow, that, wow. And this that, is the Hall of Fame voter. He's a Hall yeah. of Fame voter. He didn't read his name on the ballot. It's Derek Cheater. He didn't read his name on the ballot. No. It's, Again, it's, it's, they it's take – you see you some of these guys, they take pride in not voting anybody in. It's it's like they celebrate it. I, yeah, it's ridiculous. Why do you they do should, they, should, they, they should not be allowed to vote. They should not be allowed to vote. And I'm going to tell you right now, I know the ballots are, are. I know the ballots are. I think they're. I think they're private. I don't think you know who voted for who, or who voted or who did it. But if you didn't vote, if you didn't vote for Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, or or you didn't vote for Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, or Barry Bonds, or even David Ortiz, you sh- you should you should not have a vote. You should not have a vote. Uh, you should absolutely not have a vote. If you didn't vote for those four guys, you should not have a vote in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because I thought you know. Without with or without steroids, I thought all four of those guys they're gonna or you know, I excluding Schilling. So all three of those guys, Clemens, Bonds, and Ortiz, with steroids or not, I thought they're still good enough. They'd still they're still amazing baseball players that still would have get in the hall of fame. They took steroids or not. They they just would have. I you know, I just yeah, they should not have a vote. It, you know, again, it just it's like a game to them. It, yeah, it's usually private, but most of them do come out and kind of say who they voted for, or like somebody find it or it gets like leaked or something. Usually you kind of find out who voted for who, but yeah, it's ridiculous. It's like they take pride in not voting anybody. This is your sport. It, like this is the sport you're supposed to love, and yeah. you make a game out of it. Yeah, it's, it's 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 embarrassing, and this sport is so unprogressive. It is unbelievable. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have a season. I I, I would I wouldn't like it, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have a season because this sport is completely unprogressive. They are unprogressive. They are stuck in their ways. That's why they are not getting the younger generation into this game. It, it, they're, they're, the game's not as diverse as it should be, and they're not getting younger viewers. And it's it. And the problem is, it's things like this: seventy-five percent of the vote to get into the Hall of Fame. Oh, if you took, we we turn our back on something, but you did steroids, so you're not allowed in the Hall of Fame. But we turned our back on it. We allowed you to do it because it was helping our ratings in the late '90s. And in the early 2000s, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It it, it, mm-hmm. it it makes me so it makes me so upset. I mean, the way baseball does things makes me upset. But 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 this this whole process is an absolute joke. Yeah, that's actually a great point. I mean, yeah, they turned their back. They did turn their back on them. Yeah, you know, hey, thanks for making our game great. We're going to allow you to do it now. We uh, when this is like you know something that all these guys probably wanted from, you know, the day they kind of knew they were major league players that they want to sit one day in the hall of fame. And you kind of, yeah, you kind of just, eh, no, nah, I'm just, I'm not going to, not going to reward you for it. You know, you, you kind of cheated, even though it helped us a lot. You know how much it's entertainment indeed. value Barry Bonds gave to the game of the game of baseball. And now they're not even going to reward him by letting him have his day in the hall of fame. Do you know how much money he probably, how much popularity? He, I mean, 2000 back in the, in the early 2000s, you could not miss a Barry Bonds at bat, and baseball knew it, and, and baseball knew it. But, you know, 
But now they want to enforce it because, you know, oh, we, we don't want those guys again. But David Ortiz ends up getting in. And, and, and Hector says, I respect you disagree with some of your points, but it's too long for me to discuss. But I do agree that there's inconsistency in the MLB. And they need they need to get something right. Yes, they need to get this right. Yeah. Enough with this seventy five percent of the vote. Get rid of that and and uh, and and, uh, and 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 just let. Hopefully, the Veterans Committee does the right thing and gets Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, and Roger Clemens into the Hall of Fame because now they're off the ballot. Now they got to get them into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, no, you hope they do, and they do deserve to, and they they should. Now, this is my last point to make, and this is more of kind of going back of changing the game of baseball and the Manfred. Man, I don't know if you saw, it, but Ken Rodensall got kicked off of MLB Network and all that because he because he um you know was criticized um was a critic of like Rob Manfred. He wrote a story about it, and, and Rob Manfred kind of kicked him off of MLB Network for it. Like that 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 is the issue. Rob Manfred cannot take any criticism. That's why the game of baseball is not changing anytime soon. It just it goes up to the top. I mean, I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the best reporters they kick off yeah. the MLB Network. It makes no sense. Yeah, it just, it just shows that it, from top to bottom, baseball right now is a total mess. And again, every time you talk about baseball now in the news, it's bad. It, it's never we never have good news about baseball. It's always bad. That's the issue. Why it's again, it, it just continues to trend downward, and it continued last night. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's always bad. Do you, you hear bad stories? How about the weekend this week in the NFL? That was great. Those games were outstanding. The NBA, yes, the ratings aren't as good as the NFL. But, but still, I mean, you don't hear all this. But they're progressive. At least the NBA has a great commissioner now, Adam Silver. And there's something called, and they're progressive, unlike baseball, who is just so stuck in their ways. They're just so stuck in their ways with, with, with everything. And it's, it's just absurd. Yeah. It's just abs- it's abs- it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it, it is. It's every sport. You know, even the NHL made the um... – you know, get more offense. You know, they put the trapezoid rule in. You know, back in like '03 to make the game more off. You know, make it more of an offensive game, or you know, make it. I think it was for you know, make it more offensive. The NBA with the three point shot and you know the offensive game and yeah, the NFL obviously with the offense. Yeah, yeah. It's like every sport has tried to fix it and make it more entertaining. And baseball just continues to just deny it all and just uh, yeah, they're just stuck in their own ways. They're just and again. It's going to continue to trend downwards with, with the stuff they do. Yeah, the NFL this weekend. A- again, yeah, it, it was great. And why and baseball just continues they, the meetings and just it seems like they made some progress. But again, who can you trust? I, I just don't, I just, just don't know. Yeah, it's just bad news, bad news. It's just horrible. And this is coming from somebody who has seen a home team play in 27, who's seen a, a home 27 out of the 30 teams play a home game in their stadium. I've been to a ton of baseball stadiums. I love going to baseball stadiums. I love baseball, and uh, but I don't love it as much as I as I did as a kid because of these stupid, you know, unprog- this unprogressive, but them being so unprogressive and being so set in their own ways. The fact that the, the the pitcher still hits is almost one of the most ridiculous things, and the pitcher shouldn't even be hitting. Even that, they can't even get that right. They don't have two leagues doing one thing. It's it's one league. Stop with this American League and National League. It's just it's just everything. They're just so unprogressive. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just that I it just say they are. It just yeah, two separate rules. It just it makes no sense. Again, I'll be honest with you. I used to love watching baseball. I you know again the summers when I was in school. Again, I love to listen. You know, watch Dodger game. I had used to have MLB um extra innings. I used to love staying up watching Dodger games, listening to Vince Scully, 
again, now during the summer, the Yankees aren't on, I'll watch the CFL. I, I'm at that point where it's like if nothing else is on, I'll, I'll go watch the CFL. I, I, it's tough to get into for me too. You know, it, it, it really is. Sport just, it's not the same. And I know I kind of, the end of like the bonds and all that, but like, you know, I got into it, but now, yeah, it's, it's tough. It, beside the Yankees, it's somewhat tough to get into. And the problem is you're dragging casual fans like Jace. You're taking them completely with these rule with, with everything been going on. You're taking casual fans like Jace uh, completely, completely away from the game. Yeah. They do. I have friends that they just watch playoff baseball. They could care less, and they're not, they're not big fans. They'll watch like the World Series. It's about it. They don't really, they don't really care anymore. It's 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 bad. It really is. It's it's this again. This once proud sport has just turned into absolute joke, and they, they got a lot of changing to do. It doesn't seem like it's happening anytime soon, unfortunately. Absolutely, yeah. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. It's sad, and, 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 and it isn't. It isn't. But we're going to transition to a more progressive sport, and that is the NBA. And last night, the Lakers got Anthony Davis back. He didn't have a big game, but LeBron James was outstanding in the Lakers' uh, 100 to 96 win. I feel like the Lakers right now they got to get. I feel like they got to get rid of Russell Westbrook. I, I think I think they got to get rid of Russell Westbrook. I feel like you make it AD and LeBron, and that's that's your team going forward. I think Westbrook is too much of a cancer. And for the Nets, this Kyrie stuff is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I know, you know, I, he's got to get vaccinated. And, you know, this is a problem. It's hurt this team's chemistry. And I think very easily it's going it, to, it could be, it could be the thing that, that, that it could be the difference of them, you know, getting to the NBA finals or not getting to the NBA finals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I did, I thought defensively he made an impact. He had four blocks in that game. I thought defensively he was pretty good. Offensively, yeah, it'll probably, he'll come back, you know, after a couple games, I think he'll start to get in a rhythm. Um, but yeah, you know Russell Westbrook and I just—I I don't know if you saw a couple weeks ago they played the Kings. He shot like two for sixteen. The King called him like the ice cold player of the game, like <laughs> because he, he, he pretty much won the he he beat the King here. He there the King won that game because of Russell Westbrook's shot selection. Oh, and but, and, yeah. and 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 and, we'll, and I'll get to that. I'll just get to this quickly. What happened to your Kings last night? What what a, what a disaster that game was. Yeah, they, oh, they lose by like fifty. Seventy-five points. Wow. Yeah, Tatum, I think Tatum Brown outscored him in the second half or, or in the first half. Wow. It, that's crazy. Yeah, that's just, crazy. That's they're, crazy. They're sad. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. If I ever have expectations ever again on the Kings, like, please, like, talk me out of it. I, I will. No, I promise. I, I will talk you team. out of it. I will talk you out of it. I don't know why I thought they were a playoff team. I really don't. I will talk you out of it. I will definitely talk you out of it. But, but yeah, you were going yeah. back to Westbrook and saying, like, uh, what, was he, what were you saying about Westbrook? Yeah, they called him the ice cold player of the game. Uh, I guess the King a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think he's two for 16. But, yeah, it just – I just it doesn't seem like he's worked. Again, why did they get rid of Rondo? Rondo is such a great player in the playoffs, and Rondo does not care about the stats. Rondo cares about winning. No, no. Rondo and when you have it, and when you have AD and LeBron, that's that's what you need. When you you need yeah. a guy like that when you have AD and LeBron. You saw Rondo on those Celtics teams when they, when, they had, uh, when they had KG and Paul Pierce. You need a guy like that on a championship team. You yeah. don't need guys like yeah. Russell Westbrook who are, care about their stats and are completely overrated. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like Rondo. Again, they didn't need a score. They had Ray Allen. They had Pierce. They had Garnett. Like, again, Rondo just had to be the distributor. Russell Westbrook, yeah, he got his 10 assists because he, he wants a triple-double. He doesn't really care if he wins or not. He just wants his double. He wants his triple-double night in and night out. Yeah, it just, again, I just, I, I did not understand that. Um, it just had not worked. And what, they're 23, 23, 24. There's something like that. And, again, the Western Conference has not been the gauntlet that um, it has been the last few years. The Suns are running away. Yeah, especially in the Pacific Division right now. 
it, it's yeah, I, I never understood that. And yeah, they got to get Russell get rid of him. But with his contract, who who could they re- who's really not an option? I heard Houston's really like the only one with it. They had to take like John Wall back though. That's like the only team I really heard with the contracts and all that that they could really fit it, which would be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, but going back to the Nets, I mean, Kyrie's got to start playing. I mean, Kyrie's got to get vaccinated. Kyrie's got to get vaccinated. He's got to get vaccinated. I mean, and, and and you know, because I think this this part, I don't like him being a part time player. No, it, it does chemistry wise, it doesn't work. It's not. I don't know if you saw the article with James Harden was on Bleacher Report. It's not. It, you know, they're they're saying James Harden's kind of he's all he's all done with the Nets at the end of the year. You know, oh, there's a very good chance he's going to be. He's going to be a free agent. There's a very good chance that he's going to be done with that. If they don't win a championship, he's gone. You can guarantee that. Yeah. And what another loft trade for the Nets? <laughs> oh. See what Jared Allen's been doing. They just oh, they got absolutely oh. 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 terrible. It's a, it would be a t- it would be, if they don't win a championship this year and they lose Harden. That that trade is a disaster for the Nets. I mean, they put the three stars together not it not to win a ch- and they don't win a championship. Total disaster for the Nets. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're lucky the Knicks kind of overshadow them in, in the city. They are very lucky. Um because and the Knicks aren't having success either. That's that's the mm-hmm. thing. The, 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 they, they, the Knicks, the Nick, the Knicks struggles. That's another story for another day. Get some of the get get some of the attention. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because the way that yeah, because everybody thought the Knicks had the extent of expectations here. It hasn't gone their way. Yeah, with the Nets, yeah, you know, again, Kyrie's got it. You know, again, I was hoping this thing would all just blow up and just not work. I, was, you know, it seems like it's gonna happen. Yeah, Kyrie, I've heard he's waiting for the vegetarian um, vaccine. I don't like. I, I didn't even know that was really a thing. I didn't. So I don't know when that's coming out. I heard that's still in trial. I don't know, and it doesn't. And again, the new, um, you know, um, governor, mayor. Again, I don't think that's on his to do. Uh, that's not up there in his to do list here. So I again, who knows? Maybe this thing changed by the playoff, but it may be too late by then. I think he does again because he owes it to KD at least too. Because KD came here because of him. He at yeah. least owes it to KD. Yeah, exactly, 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 exactly. So uh, speaking of the Nets, too, they will play the Warriors in the primetime game on Saturday night on ABC. And I know Kyrie will play in this game, but I think the Warriors are going to win. Let me tell you, the Warriors, man, with Poole, with, with Jordan Poole and and uh, the, their first-round pick. I'm trying to remember his last name. Was it Kazuma? Um, Jonathan Kuma, Kumaga, something like that. He's been playing well. They crushed yeah. the Mavericks last night. Steph Curry, I mean, play, playing at an MVP level. Uh, Andrew Wiggins has been playing well. They're getting Clay back into the rotation. I think the Warriors right now are the best team in basketball, and they're going to prove that. And I got them beating the Nets on Saturday night. I got them beating beating them by double digits. I I think the Warriors are the team with chemistry, and I think they're 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 back to what they were three years ago. Yeah, absolutely. They've done a good job draft picking wise. Wiseman, I know, has been banged up, but again, I think he's got potential. Um, yeah, I think the Warriors beat them in this game. You know, the only thing is Curry since um, January first, he's shooting under thirty percent. And I guess now Russell Wilson actually has a higher field goal percentage this year than Steph Curry does, which is out, which is insane. Um, but yeah, I like I like the Golden State Warriors defensively too. They're solid defensively. So like even if they don't, if they have an off night defensively, they could still win games. I'm still I still I think this, the Warriors are a better team than the Suns. But the way the Suns have been playing, they've been on fire. And again, they're what 46 and nine. Like I, I go back and forth. Because I, I think the Warriors do have a better overall roster. I do think they won, yeah, because the way Wiggins is playing, Jordan Poole, Jonathan um, Kumiga, you know, the, the, the you know, rookie, 
Again, Wiseman comes back at the end of February. I, I do like this Warrior teams, and they, they could go on a run, especially if Seth Curry can kind of get out of the shooting slump that he's been in here for like about a month. If he can get out of that, again, I Golden State is very tough to beat. Them and Phoenix are, are neck and neck for me. Um, I, I think that Golden State should roll here on uh, on Saturday night. I, they do think they've lost nuts. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So the UConn Huskies have won four in a row. But before we talk about them applying uh, the way they are, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live, human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. So the UConn men won last night, 96-73 over Georgetown, and uh, it was it was Andrew ja- it was that dunk by Jackson. That set the tone, and uh, they rolled in, in, in this game. Uh, obviously, uh, R.J. Cole at 14, uh, Tyrese Martin 13, Sanago with 19, uh, Isaiah Whaley with 15, so pretty much uh, four of the five starters in double figures. Uh, Hawkins had 15 come off the bench. I'm telling you, this team, yeah, you could sit there and say, yeah, they've beaten Butler, they've beaten Georgetown, but they're beating the teams they have to beat. Even, you know, on Thursday night, very Martin was great in the second half. They went on the road in conference. Martin was great in the second half. I, I'm, I'm really like what I see from this team, you know. They, they should be able to win Saturday night against DePaul uh, and, then, and then Creighton at, 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 on a – on that Tuesday. next on that next Tuesday, but uh, yeah, I mean you look you look, you, but it, it does get tough after that. But with the way they're playing, I think this team's a top team in the Big East. Justin, what were your thoughts from last night? Yeah, I thought offensively they're great. Georgetown, their their interior presence on Lewis is just oh, it's bad. I, right now, they're they um Kempom right now they're ranked two eighty seven defense efficiency would be the worst ever for Big East team since Kempom started tracking in O two. That's going back to like the, the Paul teams of the two thousand, you know, the late, you know, two thousands, all that. Like, they, they're bad. It just shows you how bad they are. Um, offensively, yeah, they played really well. Defensively, Georgetown could shoot, but I, I still thought there were some open shots they gave up. Um, Georgetown, you know, shot pretty well. I felt like last night. I think they got to tighten up the defense a little bit here, but uh, offensively, they're rolling. Again, Sanago is good. I like how Whaley was actually more around the basket last night, cleaning up offensive, you know, clean up on the offensive glass. I think that fits him a lot better. I know he started to try to knock down the jump shot, but I like him much better around the rim. Um, you know, Martin, as you mentioned, Thursday night was was out. I, you know, he won that game for him in the second half. Thought he played all right last night. You know, I, I thought 21 assists last night, 21 assists to seven turnovers. I thought they did a really good job. 
Um, the turnover, you know, assist turnover ratio. Again, yeah, Hawkins, I think, hopefully starts to get in a rhythm now. But offensively, I liked what they did. Again, Georgetown is just it, – it's sad how far Georgetown has fallen. It, it really is. You know, I, I hope – it just doesn't feel right that Georgetown is just – they are the basement of the Big East, and hopefully they could figure it out and get competitive once again very soon. Um, yeah, I thought they did, you know, good, pretty good job on the glass. Again, Georgetown, I think, was averaging 13, 14 off and three rounds per game. They had 10 last night. wasn't bad, but um, – yeah, I thought, you know, they played pretty well offensively. But, yeah, the defense got tightened up, and, you know, um, it was a, you know, um, pretty good. It's same large victory they had against Georgetown. I think the biggest was um, – I think they beat them by 26 back in 04. So, um, you know, putting some beatings down on Georgetown after – they did that to us in most of, the, most of the 80s. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, back in the Patrick Ewing days. Oh yeah, I mean, and the Alonzo, Alonzo Morning those days. I do, I do remember those, those, those old, those old, uh, those old watching those old games with Allen Iverson and Ray Allen. Those were classics. But yeah, but yeah, oh yeah, so yeah, we're we're yeah, ninety six was great. But yeah, we're getting we're getting some payback from what Georgetown did did did, did to uh, UConn in the eighties. But uh, Saturday night, UConn goes to DePaul. Uh, DePaul terrible one and eight in in the Big East. So this should be another win for UConn. But is there is there any chance they might you know slip up? have a kind of a letdown at DePaul on Saturday night. If Javon Freeman Liberty comes back, he's been out since um, for about two weeks now with a groin injury. He's averaging 21 a game. If he can come back, I think he's still questionable. Uh, you know, he could be problematic. It's a point guard spot because really Jalen Terry's been good since filling in that he's not a great distributor yet. And all that, like DePaul, well, DePaul last, they're often just, you know, Freeman Liberty was their point guard and kind of everything flowed through him. And they just don't have the last two games. They've scored forty-seven to forty-three points. They were they they've shot less than forty percent Biggie's play. They've really showed offensively without him. Again, he's one. Of, you know, he, he's such a terrific scorer. They need him back. If not, UConn should win this game big. If he does play, I could see DePaul if he can keep DePaul in it. But I want them to press for forty minutes. UConn, or and, you know, if this game's close because. Um, DePaul has no press break. They only blew a 22-point lead to Seton Hall because they had no press break and they missed a bunch of free throws. So um, I, I'd press them for 40 minutes and make them beat them, especially because Terry did struggle against that press against Seton Hall. So I, I, I would press them on Dan Hurley. Again, whole, I, their defense should be able to slow them down if there's no freedom liberty. Um, they, they should win this game big. DePaul offensively is okay. They're not great. you know. So um, they should win this game, I would hope you know, by 15, 20 points, if all goes well, they, they should blow them out before Craig comes And Craig has been playing pretty good basketball. So yeah, they should come back. Hopefully another comfortable game for him Saturday night. They should have no problems. against the Paul team that it just, again, without their best player and play, they're just, they, they really have just struggled to score the basketball lately. We had a top 10 matchup last night in the uh, pac 12 as UCLA faced Arizona. What are your, what's your takeaway from this game? Do you feel like Arizona was a little bit overrated being number three, or is UCLA finding their form again and they're and they're back and they're back to being a favorite to go to the final four? I thought, you know, for Arizona first, I wouldn't take too much stock away from last night because I think um one of their role keys, I can't um uh, only played about 10 minutes because he's been battling an ankle injury. And then and then um one of the top players right now, Benedict, um Marthon, who he's he's been averaging about 18 a game. He was five for 22 last night. He was 0 for 10 from three. He just had a really off night. 
And, you know, like Arizona had 20 offensive rebounds. Again, if they didn't, they probably lost the game by 25. But Arizona just did not knock down shots. You know, it's a team that I think is still pretty good. I wouldn't sell stock yet on them. Um, but, like, that, you know, the two losses they had against um, UCLA and, and – um, or, two, you know, UCLA and Tennessee, they turned the ball over, which they did last night. They just didn't shoot well. So, I still think this is a pretty good team. Tommy Lloyd's done a terrific job with this team. Um, but I think UCLA really bothered him with their defense. So, you know, UCLA like, tipped a lot of passes. They got in the pass. Because Arizona – uh, Temple-wise, it's, it's them or Gonzaga are like one and two in Temple-wise. So they kind of got some opportunities, but with UCLA's length, you know, in their guard play, they kind of just – they were kind of in passing lanes. They kind of, you know, were just made it tough defensively on them. UCLA, I think, you know, I think they are starting to find a groove. They were they, – their COVID shut down for over about a month. You know, Cody Riley's finally healthy now with their guard play. And um, I don't even think um, Johnny Junzik – Played well that last night, but they had more guys that stepped around, stepped up around them than um Mathurin did in, in Arizona. So I think that was a big key. I think, yeah, UCLA kind of found the groove last night, while Arizona, they just could not really find anybody to kind of step up for um Mathurin. And I, I think that was a big key in that one. Arizona, Arizona got it down to like eight, nine points a couple times, and UCLA kind of went on another five, six, oh spur to get it back up to 15. So I think Arizona's still a pretty good team. They'll meet again next Thursday, I believe, or next Thursday, I believe. So um, in Arizona, I expect there, you know, that that's gonna be a much closer game. So you know, we'll, we'll see next week. Because I think Arizona's gonna be more healthier than um, than than they were last night. Alrighty, SC, we'll wrap the show talking about the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Kentucky heads to Camp to Lawrence, Kansas on Saturday. I think it's gonna be a really good game, but I think Ojabi is gonna be too much for the Cats, and I think Kansas wins it close. Yeah, I got the Jayhawks as well. Going, uh, you know, Allen Fieldhouse, um, obviously a tough place to play. Don't know if Ty Ty Washington's going to be back yet. So, shared by Wheeler may be the only point guard that they have in this game, which be could become problematic. You know, um, Kansas is probably going to press a little bit. Just, you know, but both teams tempo-wise, I, I expect this thing to go up and down the floor. They're going to need Kellen Grady for Kentucky to Davis transfer to continue knockdown shot for him to win. Again, Kentucky probably if, – if Wheeler and Washington don't get hurt last week at, at Auburn, they probably win that game because they lost their both their point guards and they kind of really struggled offensively, you know, to, to do any you know, to, to um, really run the offense. So, again, I can't – I wouldn't be shocked they win this game, but, you know, as you mentioned, OGO or Javai – Javadi, the way he's been shooting basketball, he's really continued to, to um, improve his three-point shot. I think he's up to like 47, 48% this year. Again, um, as we mentioned the other night, going back at Fort Mino, you know, he's right there. You know, Javadi's right there. I forgot Johnny Davis, too. Johnny Davis, you know, I, I forgot his name. Again, I, and, I think and, him, and, Smith, put bad last night. So And and and, and Bincaro, too. Paul's Paul up Yeah, Bincaro. Yeah, probably Bincaro is also – right there. Uh, but yeah, I think Kansas wins this game. I think, you know, Oscar Toshibwe in the glass, I think could, again, he had 21 points, 22 rebounds last night. McCormick's got to keep him off the glass. You know, even Mitch Lightfoot, which I think is going to struggle against him, um, rebounding-wise. But I think Kansas finds a way to win this game. I think they're the, I think they got it a little bit more around him. Again, Christian Brown's not shooting the ball well. They need him to. He's one for six the other night from three. He can knock down a couple, get hot. I, I think Kansas, they should win this game at home. 
Yeah, it should be a really good one between Kansas and Kentucky. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For our producer, Jace Garcia, who did a great job. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week giving our early preview of the Super Bowl, talking UConn basketball, and any NBA news that comes our way. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him. He taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Showing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.